Lord, thank you so much for this time to come together um, and uh, amidst our the busyness of work and school, uh, pray that you be with us, calm our hearts, clear our minds, uh, help us to be alert as we hear your word. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible studies we've had in the book of Numbers um, and the reminder again of how faithful you are. Uh, Lord, help us to learn from uh, the Israelites' uh, mistakes and um, their mistrust of you. And I pray that we can really be people that can trust you and follow you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right? If uh, I think Sam's hosting today. Thank you, Sam. You put up on the chat the, the text, Numbers 13. Um. We are, um, yeah, proceeding through numbers. We did 11. We're going to skip 12. Um, that's probably more, that's, you know, that, that would be the next chapter chronologically. But I wanted to say with kind of the Israelites' rebellion against God, right? And so today is 13. Next study will be 14. And then we can um, go back to 11 and then 16, which is more of uh, kind of issues with between the people and Moses or between actually Miriam and Moses' Moses's siblings, Miriam and Aaron, uh, take issue with him. So uh, a lot of people call uh, chapter 13 and 14 the heart of numbers because this is kind of the defining event Unfortunately, it's a negative event, right? The Israelites have finally landed on the doorstep of Canaan and uh, they have the opportunity, but they don't uh, respond to God, right? And this becomes uh, the punishment or the, the curse, the, uh, the aftermath of this has 40 years of repercussions. So, um, yeah, I, I, I hope we can uh, have benefit from it uh, looking at 13 today and 14 next time. So could I have a few volunteers? Any number of verses you want to read out loud for us? Please do. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. These are their names. From the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, son of Zakor. From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, son of uh, Hori. Uh, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Issachar, Egal, son of Joseph. From the tribe of Ephraim. Hoshea, son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Paltai, son of Rafu, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, son of Zodi, from the tribe of Manasseh, the tribe of Joseph, Gadai, son of Susai, from the tribe of Dan, Amiel, son of uh, Gamali, from the tribe of Asher, Sethor, son of Michael, from the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, son of Vosi, from the tribe of Gad, uh, Giel, son of Maki. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hoshea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rohab toward Levo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahiman, Shesai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak lived. 
Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the, man, but the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> uh, so, you know, the Israelites had started out pretty well. It's like the first 10 chapters, um, they had followed instructions. They had moved when um, they were uh, so instructed by God. Um, there's a lot of stuff about the tabernacle and God's presence. And yeah, it was kind of, a, um, I think, a, a really encouraging time for the whole group. They were making progress after sitting for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there was the rebellion about quail, right, back in chapter 11. But uh, I think for the most part, you would expect kind of the momentum to be building up for an entrance right into the promised land and you know, verse one starts us off nicely right uh, god uh dispatching uh some some scouts and that that i think very um that that very, very pregnant phrase right um explore the land of canaan which i am giving to the israelites so that that, that kind of sets the stage right they have finally, like I said, arrived at the doorstep. Yeah, this is now the, all the planning, all the preparation, all of the uh, training, um, all of the purging. You know, there's so many things that led up to this event. Um, and they were poised to not only enter in, but to receive their inheritance. Right? Uh, keep this phrase in mind. Yeah, which I'm giving to the Israelites. This was God's will. This was God's plan. This was God's heart. This was God's generosity. He really wanted to bless the Israelites. Um, had this, you know, progressed in a kind of a, um, a fit manner, an apt manner, uh, the Israelites, you know, would have, I think, they would have started out their life in uh, Canaan very differently uh, than they did. You know, 40 years of misery that they will have to undergo because they're disobedient. That was completely avoidable, right? So it just kind of, you know, uh, it, it casts a shadow, certainly it casts a shadow that um, they missed the opportunity to uh, respond to God. And, you know, um, maybe we'll explore this or not, but um, you know, it's something to be said about you know, just a change of environment, 
or a change of location, um, just a change of time. That doesn't always, you know, improve our faithfulness to God. And Israelites, I think, had a lot of things going for them in a positive way, but because they were so, um, yeah, so stubborn, so fearful, so uh, um, kind of unwilling uh, to trust God for everything, and their uh, mistakes, uh, their error, their sin uh, repeats, right? So whether they're, on, they're in Sinai, or whether they're on the wilderness, or whether they're at the Kadesh Barnea, right? Uh, unless um, our heart changes, unless we deal with whatever the issues are, unless we kind of get to the core, whatever values or the core reasons, the core uh, desires that govern us, yeah, progress is really hard. Right? You know, um, I, I find myself like saying, if I was in a different situation or if I had a different kind of uh, background, or if I had a different experience or if I had different people, there's a lot of kind of, you know, um, ways in which we may have desired different circumstances. Uh, and, you know, it's possible that um, we could have turned out differently or, or not, but um, I think these kind of real innate and just uh, drilled deep inside of us kind of reactions and, and responses and, you know, core values again. Um, they, they don't resolve on their own, right? We have to do uh, some serious, we have to put in some serious effort to identify them uh, and if they're not honoring to God, if they hinder our walk with God, or if they're not uh, conducive to spiritual fruitfulness, you know, we have to pull it out. You have to pull it out by the root, and you have to uh, replace it with uh, a new, a new set of values. Right? You know, I, I wish Christian life was more automatic, uh, more like. Kind of, it, it, it took care of itself. Right? So when we accepted Christ, um, you know, things just kind of like turned uh, so, so much. Uh, we, we suddenly, you know, possess all of Christ's uh, personality and his goodness and his love and faithfulness and holiness. That would be nice. That would be nice. But to me, the Israelites' uh, painful and agonizing, uh, you know, one step forward, 18 steps back <laughs> is really, that's more paradigmatic for us. And so uh, to just realize that um, we have to make a choice, we have to uh, really kind of uh, uh, deal with things um, that aren't honoring to God or pleasing to God or else uh, we'll just repeat the same mistake. New time, new place, new people, new church, new year, right? New job, new friends. Um, you know, it, it doesn't just go away magically. It really needs to be um, yeah, dealt with and, and, and shoveled out and, um, you know, guarded against. Uh, and that's somehow, I think that's what God was trying to do for the Israelites, but some of them never changed. And so, you know, their, their graves, they are, um, they're, they're buried, right? They, 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 they die in the wilderness. They die in the wanderings um, uh, because, you know, it, it, it signifies this uh, inability to change or uh, this lack of change right, in their lives. Okay. So if you could shoot up question one, Sam. Um, I wanted to kind of look at the recon mission. God um, um, was the one who, um, like I said, uh, 
dispatched the, um, the 12 representatives, the 12 leaders, one from each tribe, uh, spies to reconquer the land, right? So question one, if even though God initiates it, uh, do you think the reconnaissance mission was a worthwhile risk to take, considering the possibility that a negative result could and did occur? Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts either on chat or, you know, you guys can express it verbally, unmute yourself and share. You know, what was God's purpose or, or you know, what, why did he send them out uh, even though, you know, uh, a bad result uh, could occur? Um, what, what do you think the recon mission was supposed to how was it supposed to help their cause? Um, this is Alice. Um, it seems like it was an opportunity for them to, I guess, trust in God, even though they might have been afraid. I, I feel like they could have reacted differently than how they did. So in that sense, I think God was trying to give them the opportunity to be faithful. Um, but it was it was more that their reaction was just like out of fear. So that's kind of how I interpreted the negative result. Do you think it was a test from God? Would you say that? I don't know. I don't, I, I didn't think of it as a test, but I, I, I don't know. Right. Uh, I think that's Matt Chin shared something about um, that the Israelites saw uh, God was going to carry them through. Okay, so it was uh, like a hands-on kind of opportunity, Matt. Uh, what do you mean by... Um, God was going to, uh, they, they, in, in spite of the risk that they saw. Um, uh, yeah, so I was saying that I think that even though they saw all these dangers before them, if they were like Caleb and had faith in God that God's going to carry them through, it would have been fine. But it, you know, it tested their, their uh, faith in God. Like Caleb was very much for going in but the others were just, you know, not as faithful, I guess. Yeah. Um, truth and discovery, is that a technical term or two, two things that you, you thought about, David? Um, I think it's, um, it's related because I think certainly God knows what's in the land, right? And so he sent out the spies mostly so that the spies would report to the people. Not to report to him. God doesn't need that kind of report, right? And actually, consequently, we see a very interesting phenomenon where basically it's an ancient version of fake news, right? <laughs> I mean, look, the 10 spies made up fake news and actually persuaded all the people to believe in lies, right? That's what happened, right? And so 
you know, it's interesting that God doesn't tell them what's there, but God lets them discover what's there and allows them to paint their own scenario. Because if you look at the people, God didn't actually tell them, go attack this land, right? Just says, discover it, right? And, you know, it was basically, they didn't listen to Caleb, right? And, you know, yes, eventually in the New Testament, we, you know, the, the apostles do refer to, you know, them as, a, you know, a stubborn generation and so forth. But when I'm reading this passage this time, the sense I got was the people got duped, right? You almost get the sense that perhaps they wanted to, perhaps they allowed themselves to, but it was 10 people who swayed this election, if you would, right? You know, it has <laughs> flavor to it, actually, right? And so there is something about discovery and truth that I see that, yes, God actually wanted that process to play out. Mm-hmm. That he wants that process of how are you going to basically respond to this truth, right? And basically the 10 spies decided we're going to make up our own truth. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd call it an election, but it's certainly... I know, I know. I'm just using that word with... The the uh, choice before them, right? Before them. And, um, you know... Yeah, I I think that's something that we should definitely explore more. um, The the two reports side by side, Caleb and Joshua, right? We know that Joshua sided with Caleb versus the 10, the two versus the 10. And it's, yeah, as David said, it's really kind of both fascinating and disturbing to see how persuasive um, the 10 are. Um, And if it, um, you know, I'd like to get into that in the next segment. Um, so the uh, let's look at the Hwas. Uh, I don't know who wrote that, but so why were they sent if they weren't going to see the pros and cons? Uh, just so that they can see what the land is. Not so much the pros and cons. God had already promised them that he was going to give them this land. It's just for them to see for themselves what kind of land that God was going to give them. I think, um, I mean, what they failed was to trust that. I mean, I, I wrote further that I would uh, argue that actually the 10 were not wrong. They didn't give fake news. They were, in comparison, probably grasshoppers. But they should have known that God was stronger, bigger than what they are. That God was the, God's promise was that this was going to be their land, and he, they should have just trusted that. Yeah, well, well, well I think that's. Uh, I, I also, I, I, it's not as I would, I'm not sure they call it fake news, but um, I think um, the way that they characterize it is uh, when it says it's a bad report or an evil report uh, in other translations. Uh, it's more than just kind of a perspective. Um, I think they actually uh, did uh, mislead or, or quote unquote falsify some of the stuff. We'll, we'll get into that, but that's a good point, Joe, that um, the, the fact of victory or the, the, the power of God, they should have had that, you know, kind of suffused their minds and their thinking, but um, instead, right? Would you say this, Joe, that instead they made it a pro and con determination? Yeah, I think they made it into a regular recon mission. Instead of, I really see first verse one as God kind of um, empowering them. I mean, I think, why does he have to select one per tribe? I think like just in the way that he designated like the structure or the, uh, in terms of how to, how to set out, how, what to carry, you know, I think he was trying to give them this, this collective sense of promise fulfilled, but they turned it into a recon mission. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to ask a question about the question, but I'm going to just try to go into, yeah, the, the responses or my, my angle on it. Um, I, I, I appreciate what you guys uh, did. I think that, that all 
it's thoughtful and in in, in in a number of ways accurate. Um, the way that I took it was, yeah, as David mentioned, God didn't need to know about the land. He knew it, right? And um, you know, God could have said, "Go in and conquer," without you know, sending scouts. God could have just wiped out everybody too. He could have just had them walk into, you know, uh, empty um, fortified towns with fields. You know, they all could have, you know, died of, of, of you know, instant some sort of like I don't know. I always think of X Men and, and Professor Xavier killing everybody with a cerebro. <laughs> you know, it could have been like the cerebro event uh, and stuff. Um, I, I I was looking at it as. You know, God want, wanted to uh, show the Israelites um, that how to be involved in his plan, uh, in his work. That they would have a stake, S-T-A-K-E, in, uh, they'd be stakeholders in this endeavor. That they would be uh, God's instruments and agents, right? Uh, he's told them that they will, and I don't think they, you know, I don't know, maybe they expected, uh, yeah, in fact, like you could think about the plague, the plague kind of you know, just brought Egypt to its knees without the Israelites lifting a military finger, right? All they did was pray and, 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 and run, run away and cross the Red Sea and stuff. So, uh, but here, what God's going to do is, He's going to involve them. He's going to engage them. And I think he wants them to see how faith works on a day-to-day, battle-by-battle, location-by-location, strategy-by-strategy perspective, right? You know, if we analogize it to our Christian lives, right, we're involved in spiritual warfare or doing the work of God, um, Again, I, I sometimes question why God bothers with us. You know, if the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts and God can really, you know, speak directly to people and all that's established, it just seems like we could avoid a lot of problems by not including imperfect middlemen, middle women such as us. Okay? You guys ever wonder about that? But it's God's grace, I think, and his the way that he chooses to operate is that he works through people. And, and I think he was trying to uh, give the Israelites a sense that they um, were going to be, it, the, the joy of, of, of being a servant of God, right? Of experiencing God's hand, of the highs and the lows, the unknowns and, and, and the familiar, the, the victories, maybe even the defeats, right? Kind of the, the uh, on a on the stage of, 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 of history as it unfolds, it, 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 I keep thinking that it was an exciting opportunity or adventure, right? That they could have really like, you know, imagine t- the ones that actually did conquer the promised land, the next generation, all the stories they 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 would have told, you know, that they, you know, of, of how God worked amongst them and stuff. So I feel like um, even though God knew, you know, exactly what was in the land, he wanted them to know it, to process it. Um, And as you guys have mentioned, maybe even if they were afraid or even if the odds were stacked against them, for them to be able to seek God and ask God for help and find his empowering and and his enabling sufficient. You know, there's a lot of ways in which they could have been blessed. Uh, had they kept the faith, right? had they uh, not um, given up, right? had they not um, listened uh, to the ten, um, ten spies. Uh, so, you know, the 40 days, these guys go on recon and, and they check out and they bring back this amazing fruit, right? Can you imagine grapes that heavy that <laughs> so one cluster had to be carried on a pole by two grown men. Um, oh, going back, uh, something Joe mentioned about, you know, one from each tribe. 
I think that's why I would want for each tribe too, like participation, uh, unity, that the group was in it together, right? It wasn't just the powerful, I don't know, the Danites or the Ephraimites, right? It wasn't their, ta- it, it, God wanted everybody to have a hand in, in doing this and that unity, that collective um, commitment, right? Could have been again, a, a real binding force, but it, that's the risk that I'm talking about. If I just can uh, mention it to the question, right? That they, you know, they they could have checked out. They could they, they went they, they, the possibility of them going south. That their unity became mob mentality, right? That risk was there, but God took it as He takes it a long a lot of times with us. I think because He wants to show us, involve us, bless us transform okay so um let's look at the 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 actual reports um so they come the the 10 men though the 12 of them say great land um you know milk and honey and uh but there's a lot of you know strong people and you know moses told them you know yeah check out their fortifications how many are there you know so they were doing what he told them so um i'm gonna you know bring up pros and cons a little bit because i think um that that was actually allowed or you know god wasn't saying don't count the cost or, or strategize uh don't think about the the best practices, you know, he doesn't dismiss that. He doesn't say, you know, no pros and cons, I, I, but you know, it's, it's, it's the appropriate you know, pros and cons. All they did was like, they, they just kind of ballooned up. They just kind of made the cons overwhelm the pros, right? A little bit more on that later, but uh, so they they come and um, they they say that you know they, they kind of give this like a I don't know I don't know if it's a pessimistic uh, uh, report or just kind of you could argue it's a realistic uh, uh, report right but then Caleb jumps in and says everyone be quiet you know <laughs> this is a good land right he doesn't say the words God gave it to us we, but he says it, I think that's what is underlying his. He's not just this kind of Rambo character, this kind of military warrior. Maybe he was, but um, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, right, impliedly, God's giving it to us. Uh, We should uh, take it up, right? And then the 10 spies, um, they they rejoined her. Liking that word, they they kind of, they uh, attack back, right? So let's look at... um, Verse um, 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. Uh, First of all, you know, that is kind of, uh, you know, that might be a strategic statement, but I don't know. I'm not sure you can say it with confidence. You know, the stronger than we are, that might be an objective thing, but we can't attack them. To me, that's a that's a perspective. That's a that's a faithless perspective, right? We can't attack based on our skills or our numbers, but if you know we can attack, if God is um, charging in front of us. Verse thirty-two, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. Okay, this is uh, where I think it's more of I don't know if this is fake or not, but it, it's it's designed to persuade. It's designed to influence. It was intended to um, you know, squash any sort of hope or um, any sort of you know, desire to ever uh, enter the land, right? They said the land we explore devours those living in it. To me, that's... Uh, I think that is false, right? Um, there was no indication anywhere else, right? But they wanted the people to to not go in or to side with them. 
And so here is, um, I think, false information. Um, and then um, the land we, uh, and the people we saw there are great signs. They said that before, we saw the Nephilim there. Uh, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. So uh, I think that is an, is an exaggeration intended to, you know, instill fear and panic. Okay, the Nephilim were these uh, legendary uh, beings, right? They go all the way back to Genesis 6, where in the time of Noah, right? The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them that chose. Nobody knows, you know, what that means. Is it angels? Is it, you know, God, godly men, uh, whatnot. But they created these super beings, somehow these, these, these you know, people with power and, and height and, and prowess, right? And so certainly the, the Anakites were descendants. That's what the text says, right? Verse 33 says that Anakites came from the Nephilim. But I, my, my view is that the Nephilim were not there. They were long gone. This was centuries early. So that was kind of a falsehood or, or an exaggeration, misleading at best, to just paint the picture negative, to be that much more against going, right? They kind of knew which buttons to push. Uh, among the people, right? They knew that they would be afraid of like these earth, whatever, sinkholes or kind of like a land that no one could really like inhabit, you know, surprises and these, not only these giants, these, you know, physically powerful people, but, you know, you, you put in this kind of like legendary element and, and it worked perfectly. Right, the people um, later on um, in chapter fourteen, they, they they take they buy this hook, line, and sinker. Right? Now, even this um, reference to being grasshoppers, right? We seem like grasshoppers in our own lives. Okay, that's subjective. That might be uh, sincere, and we look the same to them. That's interpretive, right? That's Again, trying to make someone take your side, do something that maybe is uh, not glorifying to God, disobedient, right? So uh, when I look at it kind of uh, together, I feel that uh, the three of these three dis descriptions, additions even, um, may mischaracterize the land. They made the land terrible. They made the people bigger than they are. They shrunk themselves. I mean, uh, uh, and it was incendiary. It was um, this fear mongering is, is how we say it. And um, that's why I think um, their report was characterized as bad or evil. There's something sinister about what they did right? and it, it worked. It worked, but it doomed them. It doomed the, the whole generation, right? That the, the curse is gonna be that the entire male generation, adult generation is gonna die out in the wilderness, right? And it dooms these 10 guys, right? They get killed on the spot in chapter 14. So clearly God's wrath or God's judgment falls upon them for falsifying the uh, and all that. So my qu next question for us to kind of consider is uh, kind of trying to understand why. Why do you think the 10 spies, not Caleb and Joshua, were so bent on spreading such a bad report about the land?
I think maybe they were just, um, they, well, maybe they just didn't want to go. Uh, one, like they didn't want to, they, they saw that and they were scared. And then there's another part of me that thinks maybe they spent all this time now and they've gotten used to how things are and they didn't want to, they didn't want to ruffle things. They didn't want to, you know, they've, they've been following, you know, the pillars and, uh, and, and the clouds and everything and they've been getting the food that they want and, you know, they, they've got a system going and it's kind of like the norm now. And, you know, why, why, uh, you know, put it all at risk. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think inertia is certainly a strong force, right? So keep doing what they're doing, but to what end though? I mean, um, they they needed a destination they were kind of homeless too right so maybe maybe they thought something could be easier more easily kind of uh whatever um achieved or or or, or taken than you know the, the hebron hebron was this hill country that was very uh, famously uh difficult to um to attack right so uh, yeah, it could uh, it could be that they were not willing to pay the cost, uh, whether in terms of hardship or in terms of their lives. Okay, other um, angles. Okay, appreciate what Young said. I wonder if there's a certain component where these spies were the leaders of their tribes. And um, perhaps there is a sense that they do want to impose, you know, how they feel about this on the people. And so they would go that extra extreme to make sure it happens. You know, maybe something of a power trip kind of thing. Again, this is speculation. Yeah, we don't actually know what they're thinking of. But, you know, I mean, Caleb and Joshua were leaders of, you know, their tribes, right? And so, you know, I kind of, I was thinking whether that might be a component in actually why they decided to do that. Yeah, I, I think um, I was thinking like that too, um, in the sense that also, um, you know, it's kind of like a, a tug of war, right? They presented one side, and then Caleb and Joshua did a counter argument or counterpoint. And so now they need to win. So, you know, it's not a simple competition, but maybe the competitiveness and like David said, um, a desire to steer at least their tribe or the entire group, you know, uh, in, in their way to, to kind of exert, assert um, that kind of, uh, of impact, yeah. Um, I think people, you know, like if you if you've ever been in a meeting at work or or you know in family, <laughs> among friends, um, sometimes you double down even though you, you you weren't that whatever you weren't that invested or you didn't have that much skin before. But now that you started arguing, <laughs> you you really have to like say you know bring out the big guns and. and throw the kitchen sink at some, I'm using all these uh, you know, cliches, I know, um, it, so that, you know, you can prevail. So I, I wonder if there's some of that kind of gamesmanship uh, at, at play, and, uh, but a component as, as Dave, I like the way you said it, a component. Yeah, uh, Alice said it nicely. What, what we uh, about the cost was too great, and so let's go to Plan B, whatever that is. Right. 
Maybe, um, I don't know, I guess it's kind of similar to what Dave was saying that they were, uh, it was a kind of coming to a head of like, you know, whatever misgivings they might have had about like Moses' leadership uh, and the way that, you know, he was taking them. And, you know, when they went in to see the land and then they saw the challenges there, it was like, okay, this, you know, this is too much. And um, I don't know, like in the, in the next chapter, uh, they, you know, they do get the kind of stir up the people and get them to rebel. So, and, you know, want to choose a new leader and like actually go back to Egypt. Right. So, um, so that was one thought. And then the other thought I had was just that, um, you know, the, uh, I wonder about whether some of the origin of their like intense fear is that, you know, they're just their background, like they all grew up as slaves and were an enslaved people and, you know, had just been powerless, like for you know, as long as they remember. Uh, and so just sort of this idea of like rising up and taking possession of this land, maybe it was just, you know, too large of a leap for them to really like be able to embrace it. And, that whole generation died, right? And then it was like basically a generation that kind of grew up in the in the desert that eventually took the land. So anyway, I don't know, just thoughts. Yeah, all, all good, all good. Um, I think this, yeah, self-characterization for grasshoppers, it seems like that has that kind of slave mentality or that kind of inferiority complex you know, that, that seems connected and um, yeah, I, I think the, you know, maybe they didn't think that it'd be like they, they would be risking their lives. <laughs> you know, they just thought God would plop them into this land and stuff. And they hadn't really fought that many battles, right? Maybe against the Amalekites in the valley. And then, you know, that Moses lifting up his hands in prayer and they're victorious and that kind of stuff. They hadn't seen much death in battle. And this was going to, when they realized that that's going to be the case, maybe that was too much uh, that they bargained for. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my my uh, kind of where I would kind of take this is um, uh, this idea of like insisting, even like saying false things to, um, like, let's say, kind of unduly or unethically uh, kind of persuade people is um, they just uh, the way that I, I want to say it is they thought this was a bad idea they didn't agree with the plan right um, maybe it's because they're leaders or you know they, they saw firsthand what was there but you know uh, as Peter mentioned um, they had it with Moses' leadership. They had it with God's kind of, you know, God was powerful, certainly, and, and God had been come through, but um, you just, they didn't think this was going to work. And so they kind of dug in their heels, and they, re, they became really recalcitrant. Right? They said, no way are we going to enter that promised land the way God wants us to do it. And we're not gonna we're gonna persuade the entire group to you know refuse to go. I, I, I found in my personal life, whether I am that kind of person at times or whether I've observed others, but when you think something that you're invested in, something you're a part of, something that you're a decision maker or a stakeholder, or you, you have some, uh, uh, you know, something that you have at stake. If you don't agree with the, a decision or a direction or a choice or, or something, um, it's really hard, right, to kind of continue on it's really tough to humble yourself and say, you know, I'm not, I don't see it. You know, I don't, 
I think you're wrong and, and stuff, but uh, f maybe for the, the, for the sake of the greater good, whatever that may mean, or because, you know, there are other people who also have um, whatever decision-making uh, cachet or um, they, you know, or, you know, God's will is clear um, to be able to, despite your misgivings, despite our fears, right, to kind of um, go along, let alone support it wholeheartedly. Um, I don't know, this seems to me to be an occasion where this was in the, in the 10 spies mind that, you know, the worst thing that they could do, attack Canaan. Um, and so they become so committed to making sure that, you know, Moses doesn't win, Caleb and Joshua don't win, God doesn't make them go, right? And they, um, you know, make it pretty, pretty impossible. Like God could have forced them, but that would have been miserable. Um, but it's this, uh, again, whether you want to call it a conviction or a confidence or in a positive sense, it's just an inability to go along with something you don't agree with. And it's not always all bad, right? Because, you know, your convictions or your thought process, the way that you look at something might be right and the other people are wrong. Um, the other uh, other decision makers are wrong. And, and you know, uh, there's... Plenty, plenty, plenty of those uh, situations and instances, right? But why I say, uh, wh why I would conclude that these 10 guys were, they, they sinned or they erred is because God's will was super clear. So even if they didn't agree with Moses, even if they didn't agree with, um, you know, Caleb and Joshua, uh, even if it like, this was like crazy, uh, <laughs> you know, impractical, like pros and cons, like, you know, this is just a dumb thing. Um, the expectation, right? What God wanted them to do was to listen to God, right? God's will was clear. I think in, in the other situations that I mentioned that, you know, when we have, we're not sure what God is saying. There's plenty of room and, and probably... There should be that hesitation and, you know, sometimes not everybody can go together about on something or continue on because, you know, God's will is not clear or God's will is clear in both, both sides and, and that kind of thing. But here in this story, thank goodness, <laughs> for, for the sake of my point, it was super clear. Like verse one, right? God had given them this land and just think about all the stuff that God did. This was the culmination this was why they left Egypt. This was why they, you know, went to Mount Sinai. This was why they built the tabernacle. This was why they, they, they moved here and there. This is why God did all these. It's why they put them into 12 tribes. This is why he configured them. That's why he took a census. You know, all these things were, you know, arrows. They're, they're pointing to this clear direction, this clear purpose, this clear will. So, even if the 10 spies were rationally uh, justified, spiritually they were not. Yeah, they, they arrogated to themselves a certain confidence, a certain um, whatever uh, influence and, and, a, um, and these actions were faithless. They were disobedient, they were rebellious because God's will had been clear. Now I know in most of our applications, um, that is not so clear. And, and so, you know, we, we're not, we don't get that. We don't get the easy, easier way to interpret ourselves in it. But I think the practice of like submitting to God, the practice of fighting your own inclinations and your own preferences and your own opinions and your own desires and your own certain certainties and your own confidence 
that's a pretty good um, spiritual exercise to, uh, you know, to learn, to practice, even if, um, you know, God's will is not clear. I, th I think as human beings, you know, I'm, I'm the first one to admit this. We, we have a tendency to think that I, I am right. Um, you know, and, and, you know, that's what leads to division. That's what leads to, um, you know, disunity uh, and stuff. So um, to, I guess, give credence to a lot of biblical admonitions to be kind and compassionate to each other, you know, practice the bonds of peace and unity. Um, you know, if we have that kind of tendency to, to react really strongly when you know, people are going in a different direction, uh, whatever the group unit is, it could be family, it could be work, it could be community, it could be the church, it could be the nation, it could be, you know, your, your spouse or your best friend, you know, this kind of like, you, know, you, you think that it, it should be done this way or this is the right decision and the decision starts to slip away. Um, that, our, our, our reaction, I think, um, that's, well, that's an opportunity, I think, to really think through like um, yeah, why I'm so stubborn or insistent or why you know i i don't get along you know whatever all the host of those kinds of things yeah uh, to me uh that's my last point and we'll uh, conclude is um the reason why this is ultimately a, a bad or or evil report uh, is that god's missing completely from the ten spies Right, theirs is, and this is where I, you know, want to bring up Joe's pros, cons thing, right? Pros and cons have their place. But for the Christian, uh, for the Christian decision-making process, we cannot leave God out. We cannot leave God out. Um, The 10 spies, maybe their assessment was good, even accurate, even pragmatic, strategic, wise, um, if God was not part of this. But he was, right? And the Israelites would not have been there if God wasn't in it. And for them to kind of dismiss or even uh, blatantly counteract what God was saying to them or through Moses, that was um, the, the, their denial not of the facts, but their denial of God, right? Their faithlessness, their unbelief is, I think, what, what doomed them. Yeah. You know, I, unfortunately, you know, God lets them have what they want. Chapter 14, we'll, we'll look into that. That's even sadder to me than in chapter 13. But uh, nonetheless, um, you know, Caleb uh, and uh, to me, um, you know, uh, is 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 kind of he's the shining example. Yeah, lots of cons, lots of facts against it, but the big thing, the 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 thing that dominates everything else, right? Uh, instead of being dominated by prag pragmatic concerns or dominated by fear, yeah, he is caught up in faith. God is here. God brought us here. God wants us to go in. God is giving it to us. Let's just take it. Right? Uh, yeah, and I, I commend that. I, 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 I have trouble, <laughs> you know, feeling like Caleb or even leading like Caleb. I, am, I, I admit, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too much of a, an analyst and, and stuff. So I feel like uh, this is a challenging passage for me. Okay, let's pray together. Uh, dear Lord, um, as these Israelites, um, in some ways, I think we can sympathize with them. They've, they've had it rough um, in Egypt and, and along the way, and now um, on the brink of uh, entering the promised land. Everything sounds good, but everything was so hard. And 
So we can relate, I think, to their misgivings and their concern. And, uh, but you've called us, you called them and you call us to faith. And uh, you showed yourself so faithful to them and to us. And uh, so help us uh, not to be uh, wise in our own eyes. Help us not to live by fear. Help us not to be um, purely pragmatic, purely cost-benefit. But let us put faith. Let us put faith above all else. Let us put you in all our thoughts, decisions, calculations even. Uh, please permeate. Uh, us and guide us and lead us individually, familially, and as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.